Welcome to Business Lines State of the Economy podcast where you'll find insight, analysis and the story behind the numbers. Hello and welcome to Business Lines State of the Economy podcast series. This is the fourth of the podcast focusing exclusively on the equity markets and this series is coming to you regularly every month. Bringing to you insights from market experts is your host Parvata Vardhani. I am the editor of BL Portfolio, Business Lines Sunday feature on investments and personal finance. The expert speaker for this month is Mr. Anuj Kapoor, MD and CEO, Private Wealth and Alternatives Asset Management at JM Financial. Mr. Anuj Kapoor is a chartered accountant and has over 26 years of experience in financial services, having worked in UBS Securities India, Barclays Bank, GE Capital, Ernst and Young, and Arthur Anderson. Hello, Mr. Anuj Kapoor. Welcome to the podcast on uh, markets. Hi, Vardhini. Uh, it's a pleasure being here. Great sir. It's an interesting time uh, for the markets Mr. Kapoor. I've been doing this uh, podcast for the last 4 uh, months and uh, quite interesting. Uh, recently after the volatility uh, since uh, touching a, a peak of 20000 plus uh, points in mid September, uh, the Nifty has touched a new peak on uh, Friday. So uh, so what what do you expect uh, from here on for the markets? Yeah so markets uh, actually came off the highs on the back of uh, rising yields in the US and the geopolitical tensions uh, most recently the ones in West Asia however as we look at uh, things today i do think there's limited impact of uh, the conflict in the middle east it seems like the impact has been contained mm. especially given the ceasefire i think the biggest collateral damage for india was the oil prices that went up which mm. seems to have stabilized as well Yields in the U.S. have also come off significantly from the highs of uh, having crossed five percent to more recently hovering around four point four percent. Now, I think reacting to these two positive developments, uh, along with a resilient uh, earnings uh, outcome uh, in the recent quarter, mm-hmm. markets have uh, rebounded, mm-hmm. and uh, we do see or expect this uptrend to continue in the markets uh, as the earning expectations is actually quite good. If you look at the PE ratios for the Indian markets, they are at about twenty times PE one year forward. You know, long term has uh, the averages have been around twenty to twenty one over the last ten years, and hence I would not say that the markets are very very expensive given the long term averages of the Indian market. Uh, while FIs have also become net buyers recently, I think the domestic flows are such they have been so strong and resilient. Mm. Uh, to my mind the single most important risk uh, for indian markets is the political risk if bjp does not come back to power mm. and that's a very remote possibility otherwise uh, i do believe that uh, we are uh, in for an extended bull run in indian markets okay okay so are you of the view that interest rates will remain higher for longer so this is what uh, has been uh, echoing in a lot of corners so uh, do you agree with that view uh, is the recession in the us a possibility See, inflation in the U.S. has been trending down at least, and it's sort of becoming more uh, range-bound. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, economic growth has remained quite resilient, especially mm-hmm. in the labor market. So it's, I think, it's expected that the slowdown, as the rate effects of rate hike percolate in the system, the slowdown may happen, but it's expected to be a soft landing. The U.S. central bank is very, very data dependent, mm-hmm. as we've always seen. they would like to see inflation to come down sustainably along with much more stable labor market before they take any rate cut action 
if we look at the market expectations also we expect fed or other fed is expected to cut rates from mid 24 onwards and there'll be a 50 to 75 bips uh, rate reduction in the calendar year 24 i would tend to agree with this consensus view unless there was some growth shocks that came along the way and with the incoming data i think the consensus view is that as i mentioned there's a soft landing that uh, means inflation coming down towards the target range should happen without any major sacrifice in growth and i don't see a recession as such in sight Okay so you are saying that uh, say probably by the second half of uh, next year until the second half of next year at least the interest rates are expected to remain at current levels that's what you're saying and then uh, the rate cut cycle is expected to begin that's right and we've seen traditionally the indian regulator being extremely conservative and that has actually played out quite well for india uh, so on similar trends i'd expect that you know while indian inflation has remained within the targeted range not as per the sort of expected rate or the targeted rate for the reserve bank of india mm. but the growth has remained resilient and we have a healthy external account balance as well mm. so having said that i do see limited scope for any rate reduction in india before we have a clear guidance uh, from the fed uh okay i get it so you're saying whether it is the us as well as india uh, say at least for the next 6 uh, months or so you expect status quo and then you expect uh, rate cut action to begin depending on what happens in the us that's what you're saying precisely okay okay you know so you know that indian market is interlinked with the us markets like uh, how you just said but uh, you know how much of an impact so because we do have our local domestic macros looking very good and then there is this election uncertainty uh, as well so how much of, of an impact would would any action be it a rate cut or you know a postponement of a rate cut in the us how much of an impact do you expect on the indian equity and debt markets the indian fundamentals are extremely robust economic growth is amongst the highest in the world there's a healthy external account uh, uh, we're seeing double digit earnings growth over the next uh, couple of years at least mm. and the valuations are not uh, overtly expensive i would see limited impact of higher rates for longer periods of time because the domestic fundamentals are very very strong and domestic flows we have seen are supporting markets in a in a big way even when fpi mm. flows have remained uh, lower or weaker however in case of a recession mm. uh, if it were to play out export dependent factors may see uh, sectors rather may see challenges mm. but i think domestic uh, consumption and investment sectors are likely to remain least impacted even in such a scenario because indian domestic consumption domestic flows are quite resilient and they shield the impact of uh, such uh, extreme cases as well Okay I had this question you you already uh, mentioned about FPI versus DII flows so I had this question so you know although there seems to be uh, inflows a lot of uh, you know recent reports so one from a global uh, investment bank or, or a brokerage and one from a local uh, brokerage firm they came out with this report which said FPI ownership in Indian equities is at its lowest in at least a decade so and uh, you know DIIs have been uh, cushioning the markets to a certain extent so you know what is the uh, you know you uh, would you uh, say that you know fpi ownership doesn't matter anymore or do you still uh, look at india as being fpi dependent and uh, you know fpis would pull uh, money out of indian equities when they find the us markets more favorable sure i think uh, the flows towards equity markets in india have just started to happen and there's a long way to go yes when there is a flight to safety and or us equities or western equities look attractive uh, there is an immediate pull back from the fis but i'd say today the way markets are in india the domestic flows 
more than amply shield the impact of such a shock uh, with the FIS withdrawing. So clearly Indian markets are much less dependent on FIS. Having said that, I think we do expect in the longer term, you know, FIS flows to be quite robust for India. I think a key factor today clearly is, you know, how the mutual fund asset growth is uh, progressing. If you look at the mutual fund uh, assets uh, to GDP ratios, which are around 16 to 17% in India mm-hmm. versus a global average of 74%, there is still a very long way to go. Okay. Likewise, in equity, AUMs, India is at around 6 to 7% uh, of GDP versus a global average of around 33%. Mm-hmm. So this will give you a good sense of, you know, how much headroom there is to catch up. And as financialization of incomes continues to happen in India, I think we're still underestimating the power of domestic investors. Now, there is, uh, you know, along with India, there are there are a host of uh, countries uh, which fall under the uh, emerging uh, markets umbrella. So one key economy is, uh, of course, uh, Uh, You know, China, I don't know whether you call it as an EM or a developed nation, but in your view, but, uh, you know, how China moves is very important for uh, Indian markets per se. So there is a slowdown in China. So how do you view the slowdown and uh, in what ways uh, is this slowdown in China good or bad for the uh, Indian economy as well as the Indian equity markets? Yeah, I break down the China slowdown really into two aspects. One, clearly Chinese slowdown is uh, good for global as well as Indian economy because it clearly has subduing impact on the commodity prices, which has in turn helped uh, in lowering the inflation globally. From an India perspective as well, a struggling China as good as Indian markets would be seen as an alternative to some extent uh, by global investors. Mm-hmm. And uh, there'll be more capital getting allocated to Indian markets. Mm-hmm. Even in the real economy, some of the manufacturing outsourcing on a China plus one perspective would flow into India as it would to some of the other countries like Vietnam and Taiwan. However, I'd like to caution that a prolonged slowdown in China could slow down the world economy as a whole because China is such a significant component of the world economy today, which directly or indirectly will have an impact on the Indian economy and markets in general around the world because you are living in a connected world still. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can't just shy away from a significant component of the global economy being slowing down on a prolonged basis. So that, I think, is not going to be good. Uh, Coming to other emerging markets. uh, uh, So if you see the MSCI India versus the MSCI EM, now uh, the Indian uh, index is uh, trading at a much higher premium to the uh, EM index. So how do you expect India to uh, fare uh, in the coming months or in the next one year vis-a-vis other EMs? Do you expect the outperformance to continue? I'd say India is very uniquely placed in the emerging market pack currently. Apart from the you know macroeconomic factors that we mentioned earlier, uh, which are favorable versus the rest of the EM pack, India has the advantage of a healthy democracy, a large domestic consumption base, very favorable econo- uh, demographics, the rapid financialization of savings that has begun to happen, which are all positive factors contributing towards the long-term growth of the economy. We are in a entering, we have entered a phase, I feel, where it's a secular, long-term, strong run for the Indian markets. As I mentioned, political risk continues to be there, albeit very remote. Otherwise, 
you know, for the next 10, 15 years, I do see India being very uniquely positioned. And while, as I mentioned earlier, versus long-term averages, uh, Indian markets may not seem very expensive versus emerging markets, there is going to be a premium because A, India is a large market and uh, hence the liquidity that it offers and the kind of options that it offers versus some of the other peers in emerging markets would be much more varied and broader in the Indian market. And secondly, I think the valuation premium that India commands over the broader impact is also justified given the fact that uh, India provides a lot of visibility on earnings uh, uh, versus its peers. So uh, you did speak about the current uh, earnings season, which has just concluded in India. So uh, what is your reading of the um, corporate earnings? I mean, if you break it down into sectors or key companies and uh, what is your growth expectations for FY24? Sure. I think uh, it's been a very good uh, quarter in terms of earnings performance, uh, where Nifty earnings were up by about 27% year on year, and that beat the estimates. This was mainly attributable to improvement in the margins uh, on a year-on-year basis, while sales uh, grew by about uh, 5% quarter on quarter. For the full uh, financial year 24, Nifty earnings are expected to grow in high teens, and this could moderate down to about low to mid-teens for FY25 to 26, which still augurs very well from a prospective basis. And so there is no, you don't see any big uh, downgrades after the first half? Uh, no, not really. I think uh, we we are trending positive and some of the manufacturing sectors and some of the infrastructure related sectors are seeing a lot of investment uh, mm. going through. So I, I do see the earnings momentum being sustained. Okay, okay. Uh, that way, there's a lot of uh, talk in the markets today about, you know, mid and small caps being uh, expensive, having had a very um, uh, strong rally, whereas, you know, there's a lot of opportunity in large caps. So would you uh, subscribe to that view? Where are the opportunities today in terms of market capitalization? And number two, also in terms of sectors, you did mention one or two sectors, but, uh, you know, your broader take. Sure. I think uh, we've seen uh, a lot of momentum in uh, some of the mid to small cap uh, sectors uh, and and sorry, mid to small cap uh, stocks in India lately. And uh, whereas the large cap has not really rallied uh, or performed over the last couple of years, uh, even after improved fundamentals. Mm -hmm. So I do see a lot of value in some of the large cap stocks. Nifty 50 valuations, if you look at it, are trading around 10-year averages, which I think is reasonable, as I mentioned. But uh, the value in large caps versus small to mid caps today is is seeming, the risk uh, versus reward trade-off is seeming favorable. Mm -hmm. Having said that, there will always be opportunities for active stock pickers uh, as the universe in mid cap and small small cap stocks is uh, quite, quite high. In terms of sectors, I would say uh, companies that are riding on the narrative of uh, sectors like defense, uh, railways, uh, manufacturing, those have seen good uh, pickup and uh, profit booking has happened uh, in some of these uh, sectors. So we do see relative better value in large caps today. Because these valuations in some of these sectors that I've mentioned have become expensive now. Okay. So you are saying that uh, for the sectors that are in vogue, you should, uh, you know, investors should probably wait for a correction for the valuations to cool off a little bit. That's what you're saying. That's right. The runway is long. The valuation is not right. Yes, absolutely. Okay. 
in your uh, current uh, role, you do a lot of business with uh, H&I. So uh, how do uh, they view the markets vis-a-vis, you know, a normal retail investor? What are the differentiating uh, factors uh, for these uh, high net worth uh, investors? I think the larger uh, ultra high net worth and family office investors have today, which have, have today become much more formalized in terms of setups and have uh, hired some quality talent as well. While they would, the number of such family offices in India would perhaps be in the hundreds, mm. but they do behave like institutions. And sometimes in primary issuances, as well as in the secondary markets, we do see them come in a big way and uh, support uh, new issuances. So we we actually have a dedicated group catering to such high net worth individuals as well as family offices, uh, and we give them an institutional status and service them like institutions, quasi institutions. Okay, so would would that mean that their uh, risk taking abilities are higher and they understand risk better than retail investors? That's right. I would categorize them categorize them more towards institutions rather than retail investors because they are formalized setups, they have uh, a proper uh, investment and risk advisory mandate, which are board approved in a lot of cases, and uh, they have access to quality research. And hence, the decision making process is also much more nuanced and uh, informed. Okay. A lot of wealthy investors, uh, I'm sure they look to alternative uh, investments, uh, you know, for diversification purposes. So what are the popular alternative uh, products that uh, for Indian investors on offer and how do the returns uh, compare with the traditional uh, ones? We live in very uncertain times today and these times are also very, very dynamic. And hence, the need for alternative investment avenues, uh, which sometimes have a co- lower correlation uh, to public markets or have lesser volatility, uh, is the need of the R. And increasingly so, these are becoming of interest to H&I investors and family offices. So the emergence of vehicles like alternative investment funds or AIFs, REITs, INVITs, has broadened the investor base uh, for alternative assets. We've seen a huge spurt in growth in AIFs, uh, something to the tune of about 50% uh, CAGR in the last five years. So I do believe that there is a lot of attractive opportunities and alternatives across credit, across equities, and we closely continue to evaluate them. We've been working on various strategies, including a performing credit fund, a special situations fund, a fund on, on public listed equities as well, and in times to come, you know, focusing on other asset classes like real estate, uh, pre-IPO situations, private equity uh, is is uh, how we would like to differentiate ourselves vis-a-vis competition. And I think some of these offerings, uh, while playing to our strengths, are being increasingly appreciated by clients for their uniqueness, for the well-structured solutions that we offer and for the right, most importantly, risk versus reward balance. Uh, Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Anuj Kapoor, for uh, joining us in this uh, podcast today. I'm sure that the listeners uh, uh, did have a lot to take away uh, from this conversation. Thanks once again. Thank you. Thank you.